Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Joe Allen, the chief executive of Newsworks, the marketing body for the UK's national news publishers. Newsworks' mission is to champion the importance of a free press and lead collaboration across the industry to support the future of the sector. Before joining Newsworks, Joe had a successful career with both clients and agencies, so has a well-rounded view of the news media industry. Joe tells us how the All Together campaign showed what news media could achieve when they worked together. Uh, and and what, what happened there is not only did it drive impact and action, uh, it did it at scale and importantly, really quickly. So we were working as well, really, at the, with the agility and speed of a, well, and rigour of a newsroom. She talks about the challenge posed by youthful media buyers. Probably one of the biggest challenges that we've got, um, something we're very conscious of, is is the need to um, shift perceptions amongst younger media planners. You know, these are the ones that control the advertising pound, pounds and that perhaps don't see us as modern or um, as effective uh, or relevant. Uh, and our, what we need to do is a lot of work on convincing them that they should include us on their plans more often uh, and more frequently um, at a scale that will benefit their clients. And what the news industry can learn from the big tech platforms. One thing that we hear an awful lot is about how easy they are to work with, how easy it is to plan and buy. And in comparison, the news industry isn't seen as easy as those platforms to do business with. So we need to replicate that. Before we hear more from Joe, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Joe Allen, hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Afternoon, James. Thank you very much for having me along today. Now, I believe you started your career with senior marketing roles at brands like Whitbread and Cadbury. Can you tell us, from the perspective of brands, how the marketing landscape has changed over the past 20 years or so? Well, in terms of how the landscape's changed, I'd say massively compared to 30 years ago when I first started work. Um, But even in the last 10 years, when I joined Cara, um, it was very much about TV, radio, publishing, cinema and out of home, that that was the media. Um, And if we look at the ecosystem now, it's so much more complicated. And if you add on top of that globalization and digitalization, um, it really is a massive change. But then in other ways, I'd almost say it hasn't changed. Uh, From a marketing point of view, it's still about consumers and and brands. And so for Newsworks, it's about readers and brands. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's what I'd say over the last 10, 30 years ago. Um, but going back to what you said about marketing, yeah, I have spent most of my career um, client side, uh, beer and chocolate after a brief stint in financial services, uh, and then moved to media agency side. Uh, and actually, in between, I've had uh, a few stints of working as a consultant. So I've seen it from lots of different perspectives. And, and each time I move, then, um, yeah, the significant change um, within the landscape. And has the news media always been part of, you know, an important part of your marketing operations with with those brands? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I I think back to 
uh, one of the things I remember most was a graduate trainee in financial services it, it, within the marketing team. And I remember um, launching a fixed rate mortgage and um, we finalized the, the rate, interest rate and everything in the morning and then we're able to see the advert in print that evening. So I say that's about 30 years ago. Um, so that was sort of my, my first memory, if you like, of, uh, of working with publishing. But yeah, throughout all the brands that I've worked on, absolutely. Uh, and then obviously when I was at, at Cara and then and then Visium and, and, and Dentsu, uh, publishing media, along with all media, has, has been a big part of what I've done. So really it's marketing, um, but in, in latter years, it's sort of well, 10 years, I'd say it's it's been more specialised within the media side. Now, I understand that you're, you've been closely involved in developing the, the, the strap line that Newsworks currently has um, because journalism matters. Can you tell us a bit more about the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, it was something we developed as a team. I can't take all the glory for that. Um, I think those three words tell our story, um, but they tell it really clearly and simply. And it's really important that we can tell a, a consistent and unified story. So I think what journalism matters does for us is it, it says what we're about and what and who we represent. Um, and the fact that journalism matters not just as a line with those three words, but we extend it as well to say to people, to society and to brands. And when, and when you're out on the road, um, you know, discussing that and, you know, putting forward the, the case for news brands, what, what kind of reaction do you get? Yeah, I mean, the narrative is, is landing well. Um, what we tend to talk about, we, when I came on board um, about a year ago, we, as a team, we re-looked at our purpose as well. Uh, and that is something else that we've got real clarity on now. When we see our role as driving revenue and the reputation of the industry, and that's sort of the basis of everything we do. But when we talk about why clients and agencies should um, should listen to us and why they should consider, consider news media, we talk about because the fact that because journalism matters uh, and, and the role that they can all play in sustaining journalism by advertising within news brands. Now, now, trust is obviously an important part of it. And as we all know, trust is a, is a fragile thing. Uh, and the press isn't always perfect in this regard. Um, what, what do you think news media can do more of to, to make sure that the issue of trust always works in its favour? We, we, we often get asked about trust, actually, James. So I think what I'd say is that you know, there's a backdrop of fake news and misinformation. Um, that there's a lot written and read about that. And, and it's our job at, at Newsworks to remind advertisers that, the trust that, that news brand readers put in their news brands and, and the true value that comes that comes with it. Um, you know, what, one of the things that I always say when people talk about particular titles or, you know, about news in general, um, I say, you know, you don't have to agree with everything that you read, but it is important that you can value and trust what you read and also use it to challenge your own opinions. Um, and you mentioned then about uh, it doesn't always work. I mean, yeah, things, things go wrong for all of us, don't they, from time to time? And... No, nobody, no journalist wants to get anything wrong. Um, as you're aware, you know, there's a lot of training that goes into people um, when people become journalists. There's also all the various checks and balances that are in newsrooms, codes of conducts and, and regis- uh, regulations. So, you know, news just doesn't go out there. There are lots of checks in place. In fact, actually, um, what we found was that throughout the pandemic, that the readership of news really soared. And the reason for that is that people were turning to sources of information that they knew they could rely on and, and trust. Um, and I think, you know, as, as news brands, we understand our readers and readers understand us. And it's the relationship between the two that, that's key. But, 
you know, to go back to your original question, it's it's all based on trust. Uh, and ca- can news media do more, or, or, or do you think it's a question of you know, stick, you know, continuing to highlight codes of conduct and things like that? Yeah, I mean, we did some research um, in the height of the pandemic. It's something that we'd done before any of us have heard of the pandemic, but we did an update while the pandemic was going on. It was, we called it World Without News. And what that showed us was that readers valued journalism far more um, since before the pandemic. So actually, I think the figure was um, that the value of journalism had shot up about two thirds. Um, so two thirds of people were saying they value journalism more now since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and a lot of the time, what we find, particularly with younger readers, they may hear news stories elsewhere, but then they fact check um, through news brands so to, to make sure that the story is, is true and that they can trust the information that they've read. That, that's very interesting because that, that, that was one of the key findings, wasn't it, that younger people are, are turning to news brands to, to, to double check, as you say, what they've read on social media. Yeah, it comes back to that word trust, trust again, and I guess education. Um, you know, young people now are, are far more socially conscious than any other generation we've seen before. And they are uh, becoming more aware of the pervasiveness of fake news and misinformation. So it's great that they're not just swallowing everything that they see and read, but they are checking it out through a variety of um, different trusted sources. Um, I mean, one of our other stats is that people read up to six different news brands a month. So I think that just shows how real that trend is. Now, now with the younger audiences, you know, coming to to news brands increasingly, is is anything... Does this tell us about how publishers might target them in future? Because, you know, attracting younger readers has been a challenge in the past. Yes, something that we've started thinking about and looking at um, is media literacy uh, through schools um, and universities. Because I think the more that we can do to educate and inform people of the value of trusted news and the sources of news, then that is all the better for, for journalism. So that's something that we're going to be uh, embarking on a lot more um, in 2022. Oh, can you tell us a bit more about that, the media literacy programme? Well, at, at, at the moment, it's just something that we're going to be looking at. We haven't really got any plans as such. As I say, that's something that we're going to be looking at um, in, in our plans for 2022. I think what to say at the moment is we're just very aware that there's a job to be done. Uh, and so that's something that we're going to be um, embarking on next year. Now, in terms of brands, uh, you know, their ad campaigns, what can brands do more to make their ad campaigns with news media even more successful than they are now? I think the key thing that we have found over the last year was, well, we did, we did some research, actually. Perhaps I should talk about the research first. We did some research with Peter Field, uh, who I'm sure you've heard of. He's highly respected uh, in ad effectiveness circles. Um, and what that showed us was that advertisers um, are seeing more positive and also longer-term business effects if they invest in news brands. And that's because that the ads that are appearing in news brands are perceived as being uh, more trustworthy and higher quality by the readers. And those two things, trust and quality, are are two of the most important factors that lead to growth for advertisers. That was the kind of key finding that came out of that effectiveness research that Peter did for us. I know you had your media planning awards earlier in the year. Uh, Any of the campaigns there particularly stood out as, you know, utilising you know, news media particularly well? I think we saw real uh, a real mixture of brands that had um, made the most of, of the pandemic. Um, there's other brands that obviously use humour and there's others that just really good use of content um, 
uh, I think the, the winner was um, a great example um, from Lloyds Bank, um, who was focusing on crosswords, where they got one of the publishers' crosswords team to actually come up with clues for uh, having it um, within their ads. But yeah, there was, I mean, the, the, we, were, we were a bit worried, actually, about the planning awards. Would we get as many entries? But we did. We got a similar number to previous years. But yeah, a real mixture of creativity, humour, uh, just, just clever stuff and you know, great planning. And the flip side, what, what can news media do more to, to deliver better um, ROI for, for their commercial partners? Uh, I think we can collaborate better. We, we, we collaborate in a lot of ways, um, but there's always more that we can do together. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but um, the All Together campaign that we've run uh, as an industry for the government over the last 18 months is a, is a great example of that, where um, in terms of collaboration, you know, what would previously have been seen as competing publishers put any differences and competition to one side and genuinely worked as one team. Um, and this was, uh, well, if you think back to last Easter, uh, when um, coronavirus became a thing uh, and the, the, the public were, were scared, they were worried, and we were approached by the government um, who wanted to get um, vital information out to readers to sort of reassure, to explain, to increase their understanding of what was happening. And what we did as a team, as a cross-publisher team, was deliver that vital information, but importantly, not just in a compassionate tone, but in the unique tone of voice of each of the publications. So in a tone that those publications' readers could relate to. Uh, And and what, what happened there is not only did it drive impact and action, uh, it did it at scale and importantly, really quickly. So we were working as well, really, at the, with the agility and speed of a well and rigor of a newsroom. Uh, and you know, we really felt that no other medium could have done that to react that quickly and to sort of keep up with the ever-changing messaging and briefs that were coming our way. So, so that campaign was obviously hugely successful. What, what, what were the general take key takeaways from the success of the campaign that that we can work together, or, or were there other things you took away from it? Yeah, I mean, it's been a fantastic experience. I think for me, coming new in, into, into Newsworks at that time, um, it was an amazing sort of well, challenge to start with, but then something that if I look back over the last 18 months, something I'm immensely proud of and, and proud to work in that industry. I mean, that first brief that we got from the government last Easter, we went from, from the original sort of pitch, if you like, to cover wrapping over 600 titles and homepage takeovers and all the digital sites in just seven days, you know, covering all four corners of the UK. Uh, and it, it really was quite incredible what, what we managed to achieve. Um, and that, uh, that was sort of the first week. But since then, um, I mean, actually, sorry, I should say, at that time, there were several of the publications that had never even done a cover app. And you think how normally, it, how long it would take to get all those sorts of approvals. But everybody really came together. Um, after that, uh, it was all a bit... Uh, Full on, um, we then cr- uh, recruited a team of a- about 30, 35 actually, I think it is, from across the industry, from all the different titles, and we call that Team Nation. Um, and together with OmniGov, the government's media buying agency, and the Cabinet Office, over the late last 18 months, we've uh, delivered 70 um, briefs. Um, so definitely uh, the, the news industry's largest ever collaboration. And also, I think importantly, it's not just national titles. Obviously, I said 600, but it's regional, local, and also community titles. Um, the other thing to bear in mind, but this was all happening when we were all working from home. You know, we hadn't even got people's numbers to get hold of them. Uh, 
everybody's working from home. And to this day, we haven't met as a team. I think that's one of the things that I find fascinating. When I'd have been working agency side, if we were answering a client brief, we'd have said, we've all got to be together. We've all got to sit together. It will never work. You know, and you get this cross-publisher team that for the last 18 months have d- delivered this content, I say week in, week out, um, but all delivered it all virtually. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, and the thought process uh, in terms of the, this industry-wide collaboration, had it ever happened before or was this literally the first time? I mean, we, we've collaborated on things before, things like audience measurement and maybe on some campaigns, but definitely not to, to the scale of that. I mean, it, without a doubt, unprecedented. Let's say 600, 600 titles delivering uh, at the peak weekly content. Um, so no, it's it, I say it's something I'm immensely proud of, and I also think it, it's shown shown us at Newsworks, but also the the industry um, as a whole, that almost like no challenge is too big now. If we can deliver that level of campaign, then um, then we can do anything. So you know, for any agencies or clients that want to work in that way, we can provide this sort of single access point to the industry, um, which. I think that's one of the other things. Sometimes we're told, you know, but you're not easy to work with. And I hope what this has really demonstrated is that we, we are easy to work with um, in terms of that single single point of contact with the whole industry behind us. Now, can you remember, I mean, who or when it was first suggested to do a, a complete, you know, industry-wide campaign? Because as you say, there have been collaboration of a sorts, but, you know, from 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 that to everybody being involved is, is a huge step. I, I can remember it very clearly. It was last Easter. It was actually Easter weekend. Uh, and we were approached by the cabinet office, as I say, to, to say, the question they said is, can you come together as an industry to deliver this vital information to, to, the, to the UK population? And, uh, and, and we said yes, <laughs> and then figured out how we were going to do it. So I say that first cover app was a bit of a scramble. But then once we got the team and the, the, the platform to communicate uh, and the processes in place. Um, it's become a really finely run machine now. Um, and, you know, 18 months on, we've learned a lot, um, how we've worked, evolved. Uh, and you know, as I say, I keep saying this, but I'm really proud of, of what we have achieved as an industry and makes me very excited about what we can achieve going forward. Well, it, it sounds like a real buzz. I mean, it must Absolutely. have been amazing 10 days. I mean, just talking about it now, and um, I did another interview last week, and as soon as I start talking about it, that whole excitement and adrenaline um, comes back. But yeah, that, that Easter weekend, that next week, I'd say it was seven days from being briefed to cover wrapping 620 papers um, and the homepage takeovers as well. Um, you know, a lot of hours were put into that uh, that seven I'm days, sure. I can tell you. I'm sure. And, and in terms of going forward, I mean... I'm trying to imagine a time when the pandemic isn't, you know, is completely over, hopefully sooner rather than later. But do you think, will Team Nation still exist, you know, in a, in a, in an era where there is no COVID? I, I really hope so. I mean, this, this, uh, what I think the Cabinet Office will have seen is that um, it, it works, you know, this, this way of communicating. So there's obviously display advertising, but the beauty of, of having the sponsored content as well is it enables um, the different news brands to to go into more detail to explain, as I say, in their unique tone of voice so that we get a response from um, from the readers. So one thing we are seeing, I, mean, I can't share any of the actual data, but I can say that um, over the 18 months, there's absolutely no sign of fatigue when it comes to things like awareness of the activity um, or understanding of the content. So um, I hope if they were, if they're listening in, that they would agree that it, it really has pr- proved to be um, a vital campaign for them. 
And, and going forward, you know, obviously you're always looking for, for new revenue opportunities. Do, do you think this will, in very monetary terms, this will mean more money for news brands going forward? I, I really hope so, James. I mean, we, when we talk to agencies and um, advertisers about the importance of journalism, you know, we, we, we talk about not just to society and readers, but also to their brands. And I mentioned before about the Peter Field research, and that sort of shows how uh, advertising in news brands can add to their uh, bottom line and, and to their brand growth. Um, so I really hope that advertisers are starting to see um, much more positive and, and longer term business effects when they do invest in, in news brands. And we've actually got some other research coming up, which is launching at the end of October. Um, and that underscores uh, the effectiveness that news brands have on advertisers' bottom line. And, and it will, it, what it will do is it will show the brands and the categories that, that, um, that are and aren't optimising investment in news brands. So basically it will show um, who could unlock more profit by using news brands. So we're just going through that analysis at the moment, but looking to launch that. I think it's the 20th of October. Okay, exciting. Now, um, another campaign you've run um, probably last year now was um, Back Don't Block. And I believe that was addressed at the problem of keyword block lists. And you were specifically looking to get the word coronavirus taken off them for, for very obvious reasons, I suppose. Um, was the campaign successful? Uh, and what's the current state of play regarding these block lists? Yeah, I mean, I think the campaign certainly brought an issue that was down in the, sort of, for want of better terms, the programmatic weeds to the forefront at a time when, you know, if you if, if you think back to last April, I mean, and, you know, not so much now, but for a long time since last April, there wasn't much else being written about in the news apart from coronavirus. And at the same time, um, a lot of advertisers, you know, some unknowingly were being blocked from appearing in this content. So if you take that stage further, you know, the brands that wanted to advertise in news media, but they were being blocked from advertising where the readers were reading, so where they were reading um, about coronavirus, um, which you know, seems madness, really. But um, what we've had massive support from the industry, from you know, media agencies and advertisers. Um, and what we were trying to do, you know, we don't want to say anybody was doing anything wrong. What we were trying to do is just raising awareness of block lists and getting clients and agencies to check what's on their block list, because a lot of them perhaps weren't aware. Um, and, you know, although block lists are there for very good reason, you know, brand safety um, as, as the main one, but they're, they're a blunt tool. Um, and um, unwittingly, also from a news works and news industry point of view, that's defunding trusted news brands um, if they're not updated and checked regularly. So if I've got an, an ongoing appeal in terms of the, the back don't block, it will be just to keep checking checking the block lists um, for, for what's on them. And so the reason for doing that is to ensure that brands that are advertising in news brands are advertising where readers are reading. And do you have any idea of the um, the revenue hit that publishers, you know, um, to their bottom line when for from incorrect use, I say incorrect use, but, you know, this using this blunt tool of block lists? I don't, I'm afraid. As I say, this was more of a, yes, it, it, it probably will have done, but we were more com- point of it coming from the point of view of the um, advertisers wanting to be uh, where readers were reading. So it, it was more, there would have been uh, revenue that was lost. I don't have a figure for that, but it was what we were trying to do was just increase awareness of, I just have a look what's on your on your block list. Do you want all of those words to be on there? Do you want to be blocked from advertising around that content? And do you are you do you try to get an exemption from news brands from block lists? Could you know trusted news brands be excluded from the block lists altogether? 
No, I mean, I think, from the block list being applied to them? I think, as I mentioned, block lists are there for very good reason from a brand safety point of view. It's just a case of looking at what's on those lists and, and double checking. So again, using that coronavirus example, um, when there was very, else, very little else in the news last April, um, you know, it must have been difficult to, to, to find anywhere to advertise if you'd got coronavirus on your block list. <laughs> Now, in terms of unlocking more revenue opportunities for news media, which is obviously something high you know, up your priority list, uh, where do you see the main opportunities in, in the next few years? I mean, I think what it's a bit the point that I've already sort of mentioned to you about is um, where we, the, you know, the Peter Field research, we looked at where, where um, advertisers uh, advertise with the news brands, how they have more positive and longer term um, growth. But that point that I made as well about our news research that's coming up, which looks at where they're under investing. So I think those sort of messages. So we keep, you know, keep renewing the work that we do and um, the research that we've got coming up. I think we analysed. I mean, it was something like I want to say a thousand, a thousand different campaigns. I might have got that figure wrong, but we looked at lots of campaigns um, to uh, look at who's who's under investing uh, and and optimising their investment. So you know. Whilst we talk about because journalism matters, proving um, ad effectiveness still remains part of our, our narrative as we go out talking to clients and agencies. Now, now when you create these pieces of research, um, who are your target audiences? I mean, who, who, when you put these out, who do you head to first to talk to? Uh, media agencies um, in, in the main. Um, so we see them very much as partners. Uh, so they're our first audience. Um, and then um, there's some clients that we have sort of direct relationships with, but we tend to work with it. We'd, we'd go to the agency first and then with them go and talk to clients. Um, it's just about making sure that, that everybody's aware of the, of the role that news brands can play. And going back to one of your earlier questions about the sort of the importance of trust and that unique relationship that, that publishers have with their readers. Now, diversity and inclusion have been you know, hot topics for, for obvious reasons over the past 18 months. Why do you think it's so important that for newsrooms to better reflect society? I think it's incredibly important to have greater diversity in the newsroom. Well, you know, not just newsrooms, any room or any business. Um, it's really important um, if you're going to connect with communities and customers that you speak in their language and that you understand what they're saying. So, um, you know, whether you're reporting on stories or working on a new ad campaign, the only way you're going to do it is if you talk their language. Um, so I, th- I think it's probably as, as simple as that. Uh, we need to definitely be more representative of, um, we need to ensure that the news industry is more representative of, of its readers and, uh, you know, ensure that there's a commitment to, to genuine change. And I think we've seen a lot of work in this space across our stakeholders, but also an acknowledgement that whilst progress has been made, um, there's a lot more that can be done. And um, I think I'd say that everybody in the industry is, is much more aware of um, of the, the benefits of it and the and the, you know the real benefits that diver- greater diversity can bring. So, but in terms of when you say more could be done, in terms of practical steps and initiatives, is there anything you'd like to see publishers do more of in this area? Well, I think they're, they're starting. So, we've, uh, some of the publishers are um, uh, uh, hiring people, uh, sort of as trainees um, from lots of different backgrounds. Like there's a I don't know, an ex uh, supermarket worker, an ex makeup artist. Um, there's other other titles that um, have launched apprenticeship schemes for school and college leavers, you know, to attract those who would normally face or potentially face barriers to entry. Um, 
I'm trying to think of some other examples. There's some that are offering bursaries to study journalism. Um, so, yeah, I think and others have um, recruited people to uh, specifically look at diversity, diversity and inclusivity in their businesses. So I think there's, there's been quite a few things that have happened over the last year, um, and I'm sure they'll continue to do even more. And how do you see news brands and news media evolving over the next few years? Obviously, it's a period of huge change. I mean, we've been saying that for decades, I suppose. But where, where, where do you think future change will come from? Yeah, I guess in terms of how will news, bomb, uh, news brands evolve, I mean, innovation's a bit of a sort of overused word, but I think they'll continue to uh, innovate in the way that they can deliver journalism um, to, to still to make sure that they continue to be relevant to, to set the agenda um, to to represent and to also to be there for their readers. Um, so yeah, I think. I mean, if you look at the if I look at uh, the Newswork stakeholders, you know, there's a lot of different business models across those publishers, and they've all got different strategies for their different businesses, and they are innovating in different ways. Um, but what they've all probably got, well, I'm sure, yeah, what they've all got in common is um, that they're future focused and they have a real commitment to produce trusted journalism for, for all audiences. And I really hope that because of that, um, that the sentiment across the ad industry is, is moving as well to where they are starting to understand or re-understand the importance of quality, trusted environments. Um, and, you know, where there's, where there's trust, as we started off this conversation, but, you know, where there's trust... Uh, and there's a deep relationship between readers, um, then there's a real benefit for uh, advertisers to to uh, work with us. Now, with, with the the, adver- the you know the advertising community, you know the brands who advertise it in in news media, you're obviously having success with you know a good number. Are the ones who are resistant to your messages? What what's the issue? What's the challenge there? With who, so With the agencies? Well, we're, we're, with commercial partners who, let's say, uh, have reduced over the years their spend with news brands and are putting it elsewhere. You know, what are the challenges with them? Is it just literally a question of, you know, continuing to repeat the message or have you got particular strategies for the those harder to reach groups? I think probably one of the biggest challenges that we've got, um, something we're very conscious of, is, is the need to um, shift perceptions amongst younger media planners you know, these are the ones that control the advertising pound, pounds and that perhaps don't see us as modern or um, as effective uh, or relevant. And, and our, what we need to do is a lot of work on convincing them that they should include us on their plans more often uh, and more frequently um, at a scale that will benefit their clients. So I think, yeah, younger, younger audiences and younger planners specifically are, are probably our, our greatest challenges that we, that we need to tackle. Any particular ideas for unlocking that? Uh, we've we've actually got a big session plan next week where we're bringing together um, a team from across the industry to look at how we can do that as an industry. Because I think the more that we can collaborate, you know, the, the best opportunities are going to come for us if we can collaborate rather than doing individual uh, publisher initiatives. So uh, again, that's something that we're that we're very conscious of. And I think probably the other thing is that there's this feeling that we're not always. Um, easy to do business with uh, and you know as we've mentioned the all together campaign the government press partnership you know that has shown that hopefully that we we can be easy to do business with uh, but I think there's probably other areas that we need to do work on just to convince them that we that we are easy to do business with and what, what do you think news media in general can learn from the success of the big tech platforms 
Well, I, do you know, I think exactly what we've just said. Um, one thing that we hear an awful lot is about how easy they are to work with, how easy it is to plan and buy. And in comparison, the news industry isn't seen as easy as those platforms to do business with. So we need to re- replicate that. Uh, yes, we are more joined up as an industry, but but there is more that we can do um, on that whole area of being easier to do business with. So that's probably the biggest thing that we get thrown back when compared uh, to, to the success of the big tech platforms. And when you say more, anything in particular? I mean, obviously, the Ozone project is has been very successful. Are there other areas and other initiatives which you know you would like to see pursued? Uh, I think audience measurement uh, is is something uh, that we've you know we've collaborated on in the past, but there's more that we can do there. And yet, I mean, you, you mentioned Ozone. Uh, you know, they're a great team. They've had some great success over the last year. You know, they're they're expanding. Um, but you know, obviously, I, I don't really want. To, I can't really answer for them, for them. Um, but you yeah, know, I think I think there's there's quite a few examples of where we are seeing collaboration. Uh, and I think that is going to be the sort of secret to our success is, is making sure that we continue to do that. Uh, and this, let's say, this area of being easier to do business with. Uh, and the government campaign has been you know, very close to my heart. And the example that I think of when I think proving you know, just how easy we can be uh, to work with. Um, so getting that message out more, perhaps getting more examples of that uh, and sharing the news. Uh, and with the government campaign, the Team Nation, is that a replicable model for for the for the more commercial side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if we can if we can deliver a campaign of that scale week in week out, then anything between, especially if we take the other extreme where uh, an agency is going to each individual title, and then you've got the government campaign at the other end where it's one sort of point of contact with the industry behind. Anything between the two is possible. Um, so yeah, we're, we're up for any challenges um, or any briefs that other clients or agencies want to want to work in this way. Now we're up and running and, and have been for, for the last eighteen months. It would be very easy for us to to replicate that. And you know, speaking on behalf of the publishers, I know that they're very much up for doing it as well. And in addition to bringing you know needed much needed revenue into the market at a time over the pandemic when when uh, everything was at a standstill, it's also been a real benefit for the individual publisher teams for them to work as a cro- on a cross-industry initiative like that. So I think sort of the people development, team development has been significant as well. Uh, and do you see evidence of demand from, from agencies for, for adopting an industry-wide approach for, for their commercial partners? Yeah, we're, we're, having a conversa- we're having conversations with a few uh, at the moment, uh, sort of, say, sharing the case study of what we've done. Because I think often with these things, you can go out and say, this is what we could do. And everybody's a bit, mm, could you though? Could you really do that? Perhaps a bit how the government were when they first sort of challenged us. But but we have proof now that, you know, keep saying this, but we've, sorry for the repetition, but, you know, we've delivered it week in, week out for 18 months. We can do it. Um, so I think the idea of, of having a, a single point of contact is absolutely right. And obviously it doesn't have to be all of the titles. Um, but, you know, what we say to agencies is just talk to us, you know, give us your challenges uh, and, and we can work with you. Um, on a solution, and as I've mentioned, you know this was this was a massive news industry collaboration, but it was also the media agency and the client, so very much a sort of three pronged team uh, that worked on that campaign or work on that campaign. We're still still working on it now. And in terms, I think you you might have answered this in a number of ways, but um, the the greatest challenge and opportunity for news media over the next couple of years, you want, could you just summarise, you know, the the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity. Yeah, I think. Um, I would say the biggest challenge for us at Newsworks is this shifting perceptions um, of our industry. So convincing young media planners 
that uh, we're not only relevant, uh, but that we are effective and trusted uh, and that um, we've got the scale, you know, 36, I think at the last count, 36 million people read um, a news brand. Um, uh, so, yeah, so just making sure that they're aware of that so that we uh, feature on their, their plans. So I think, yeah, the biggest sort of challenge or opportunity, whichever way you look at it, is, is to shift those perceptions. And um, you've mentioned a few research projects and discussions, you know, happening at Newsworks at the moment. Uh, my next question was going to be what's in the pipeline, but I think you might have given us a bit of a preview already. But what, what, what are the things, you know, the, any big announcements or any big plans which you can, you know, coming up at Newsworks in the next, you know, six months or so? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, I'm sure there's a lot of people feeling this, but I'm loving being away from my house, away from a screen and being out and about um, talking to clients and agencies again. Um, but it's also important that we spend time as a team. So I'm really looking forward to getting the team back into the office properly. We've started coming in a day or two a week. And it's just brilliant all being together and being able to build off each other and just seeing people and being able to share ideas. Um, so I think that's a big thing for me that I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, as I mentioned, we've got the, the new research coming, which we're calling the bottom line. Uh, so that's very much aimed at advertisers and how we can help them grow. Um, we are talking to women in journalism and supporting them on um, one of their uh, up-and-coming projects. Uh, and also we're part of an industry-wide team um, looking at climate um, uh, via the Ad Association. Uh, and the other thing, working with the NMA on their uh, Journalism Matters Week. Uh, week. So uh, there's quite a lot there. Um, but other than that, I think the other thing is sort of putting the finishing touches to our, our plans for next year, which we're in fact, that's what I will be doing uh, after after the end of this session. So that's uh, we've got a team session looking at um, our plans for 2022. Sounds very exciting. And, and is Newsworks now a hybrid office or is everyone going to come back full time? Or Yeah, I mean, we're a small team. There's, there's, only, there's only nine of us. But I think because we're a small team, we're, it, it's important that we do come in together. So I think some of the bigger companies are obviously finding it difficult to get everybody back at the same time from a sort of a fitting everybody in the office point of view. I think for us, because we're a small team, it's it's the opposite. It's important that we do come in together. Um, but obviously, we need to be out talking to agencies and spending time with our stakeholders as well. So yeah, I think very much a hybrid. I mean, one of the things that I've been advocating is um, that uh, when we're in the office, I want us to spend as much time as we can together. So either one-to-one or as a team, and to try and keep the never-ending video calls for um, the days uh, that, that we're at home um, by ourselves. Because, um, you know, it is a small office. It's also not very conducive to us all sitting next to each other, um, shouting at our screens. So, uh, yeah, I think hybrid, but hybrid from the point of view of all in a couple of days a week and then all working from home or out meeting people the other days. Uh, and finally, Joe, a question we ask all our guests on the podcast outside of work. Um, how do you relax? Well, I've got three children, three girls, three three teenagers. So, um, so that's not relaxing at all. <laughs> yeah, their, their social lives and, and hobbies keep me busy. Although I have to say, as they're getting older and over the last year, I've sort of felt that there is light at the end of the tunnel and I'm hoping that I might get some, some me time back. Uh, on top of that, what do I do? Uh, I, I love a good serial drama and, and like a lot of people, I've watched an awful lot of telly over the last 18 months. Uh, I've missed going to the theatre, though, um, and I'm catching up on that at the moment. So various performances that I was going to were cancelled. Again, have sort of just all come through. So at one point, it felt like I was going most weeks. Um, so I'm catching up on that. And then something else that I've been doing a lot of over lockdown is walking. Um, I mean, I, 
I guess I started doing it when that was the only thing we could do. Uh, but I've carried it on and I've found it's a really good way to either go by myself and clear my head or to catch up with friends um, whilst getting exercise and, and fresh air. So, yeah, times, times have changed. But I'm also glad that pubs and restaurants are open. So I haven't completely changed. Uh, and on TV dramas, any over the last 12 months which you've particularly enjoyed? Well, um, the latest one that I'm watching, I'm watching Money Heist. I don't know whether you've seen that. Um, I think I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Do you yeah, recommend it? I'd recommend that definitely. And there's also, there seems to be quite a lot on at the moment. I'm sort of having to, to juggle it. My eldest daughter's away at uni and the, the middle one and I tend to watch those nine o'clock slots. Uh, but we're binge watchers. So we have to sort out our, our watching to make sure we can watch them as quickly as possible. We can't be doing <laughs> this waiting every week. <laughs> All right. Joe Allen, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. James, thanks very much for having me. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Joe for being our guest this time. For me, the key takeaways were the need for greater cross-publisher collaboration to improve ease of purchase, extend media literacy, promote the value of news media to commercial partners, and create more effective messaging to youthful media buyers. You can find out more about Newsworks activities on their website, newsworks.org.uk. To find out more about us, to register for our newsletter or magazine, or simply to listen to previous podcasts, go to inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and do join me in two weeks' time for another podcast. Bye for now.